You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Monday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Today on the show, I've got Tom Peavy and Brant Daughtry. A lot to recap from the weekend, as always, as a little bit later uh, in the show, we'll have a best and worst of the weekend, as we always do on Mondays. Uh, Also coming up, uh, we're going to have a conversation centered around running backs in today's football. We saw more surprising NFL running back news uh, last week when Dalvin Cook was cut by the Minnesota Vikings, and that sparked the thought in my head, Where does the running back's value stand in today's game, not only in the NFL but in college football? So we're going to break that down a little bit later and tell you about how we feel about the running back position. Of course, all your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free. 1-8-9-TIGER-9. And as always, birthdays and sports nightly TV guide throughout the program as well. Ryan, Brant, and Tom with you here on this Monday. And uh, Brant, start with you. We also had the opportunity this past weekend to have Poker Run out at Lake Martin for benefiting the Sheriff's Girls Ranch and had a good time with that and, and had another year of, of uh, Poker Run in the books. Yeah, second annual Poker Run for myself. Uh, it, it Had a great time, always do. Ryan, you uh, myself and our intern TP Hammock were out there at, at our stop and it, it just had a great time. It, it's always a great time doing poker run and it's such a good cause and uh, it's great just to be out on Lake Martin for a day and, and uh, honestly such a, an honor to be a part of that every uh, for, for the second time now and uh, it, it's weird to think about I've lived over here for two years now uh, and you know all, all that, that that entails but you know it Good weekend for me. Um, didn't do much outside of poker run, but uh, had a lot of fun doing that. And, you know, I guess the only big sports thing is the Braves. Uh, Oklahoma did win the national championship, uh, which everybody kind of expected. There's more news on Oklahoma softball that came out today that's kind of interesting Shocking. that we may get into. But, uh, yeah, a great weekend and looking forward to the show. Also, Tom Peavy on the show today. Tom, how are you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, I had to work uh, my normal job, so I wasn't able to take part in poker runs. Uh, it always looks fun every time I see the pictures out on social media. It uh, looks like a fun time. So, uh, But, yeah, I mean, in the world of sports, a lot of stuff. Uh, Braves uh, just rocking and rolling. Yeah, they did. They lost that last game to the Nationals um, to end a seven-game win streak, but, I mean, still 1-7 uh, and, and playing at a pretty high level right now. Softball, yeah, the Oklahoma, no, no uh, surprise there that they win that title. But uh, man, baseball in the college baseball world, uh, been some great series, uh, and still some left to play to see who's going to be in the College World Series. The uh, SEC is going to be well represented as they usually are, 
and uh, some some great series, some some lopsided series, and some great series. Uh, Alabama on the uh, opposite end of a great series is they just absolutely got walloped uh, by Wake Forest. Darn. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, man, a lot of talk about. It. Excited to get into it. Yeah, you got six of the eight teams. Uh, already figured out for the College World Series coming up this this coming week in Omaha. The last two to go, uh, still 5 o'clock today, Southern Miss and Tennessee Game 3 in Hattiesburg, and then Texas and Stanford Game 3 uh, coming up at uh, in Stanford and Palo Alto uh, against the Longhorns after Stanford's pitcher threw 156 pitches last night, I think, 154, Jeez. 156. It was mm. crazy. Uh, have some thoughts on that in a little bit, too. But already got a full bank of phone calls right now, so we're going to go ahead and go to the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. First up on the show today, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you doing? Fine. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Brent. Hey, Tom. How you guys doing? Doing, doing well. Hey, uh, I got a question for you guys. Do you guys remember a running back named Smoke that used to play for uh, Kentucky? Uh, Cavassier Smoke, yes. Yes, we do. He's related to a, a coach in Carl Stewart. And I heard that he went to uh, Colorado. Okay. What do, you, what do you guys think about that from going from Kentucky to uh, Colorado? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously a lot of players have gone to Colorado also because they lost a lot of players. A lot of players hit the portal, and Colorado did one of the more drastic, probably the most drastic roster rebuild we've ever seen. Uh, in terms of pure numbers leaving and entering the program. So uh, there was a lot of players to go out to Colorado all over the place, future starters and future second and third string guys. I mean, they, they brought in 30-plus players. So a lot of a lot of roster movement, and Deion Sanders certainly brought in a lot of new talent there. Another question is, what do you guys think about the uh, basketball player that Auburn uh, got that committed? Yeah. The one? Yeah, uh, Darren Scott, the the JUCO uh, player last week uh, that that committed six uh, nine big man. I think it's clearly more of a depth piece. I think that when you look at some of his particulars from JUCO, was not a good foul shooter, did not shoot the three. Definitely a post guy that can rebound a little bit. Uh, so I think he's going to be one of the guys vying for playing time as a backup big. But I, I don't think that necessarily he'll have a big impact on the team. And what do you guys think about Auburn that that offered the quarterback from Ed Grader? Quarterback uh, from uh, the, from Thompson High School. Uh, I, I like it. That's Auburn uh, trying to get ahead of the curve there for a kid that everybody is probably going to be recruiting by the time that he's a senior. So that's just Auburn kind of getting out there in front of everything. Uh, hey, uh, Brent, um, a question for you, bro. All right. Um, what do you think about? Um, I was reading that uh, that Georgia is trying to target to one of the players Auburn got that has committed, and Georgia is trying to flip them over to Georgia. Do you know who I'm talking about? No, but I mean, anytime you have a good player who hasn't signed yet, they're still available. Uh, commitment is just kind of a verbal agreement. Uh, that these kids can go back on, uh, and so if you're a good player, just because. You commit to a school doesn't mean that those schools are going to stop trying to recruit you. I think it's a good thing that 
Auburn has a player that Georgia wants. So, uh, you know, I Auburn is definitely doing that with a lot of guys who are committed to other schools, and it makes sense that they're having to fend off uh, these players that they have committed. And then, like, Auburn, I, I saw on my computer that Auburn got a quarterback for, I think, for – uh, 2025 20, and 2026. Do you guys know about that? And how do you think that will help Auburn do? Uh, you know, any kid who's in the class of 25 or 26, uh, that's a that's a lot. That's a long ways off, and uh, a lot can change uh, for guys that are going to be signing in you know two or three years. So, uh, it, hopefully, he stays committed to Auburn and turns into one of the best quarterbacks in high school and comes to Auburn and puts on a show. But uh, I mean, like I said, we've got we're a long way off from. Being worried about those kids, really. Hey, uh, Tom. Yes. Uh, um, go back to uh, the player that Auburn got for basketball, Scott. How would like where do you put him in a rotation for a basketball? And all three of you guys can answer. But Tom, I want to hear what you say first. And what do you do? Like, where do you put him at with with Broom and Wendell and Wind? What position can Scott play? Yeah, I, I, I think they're bringing him in as, as depth. Uh, so I don't know that he is necessarily going to be in a regular rotation seeing a lot of playing time. Uh, but he's a guy that you can use him if you need to. If you get into foul trouble, then you can bring him in. Uh, but I, I don't think he's a guy that's going to be in the everyday rotation. It's, it's going to be kind of a if-needed type guy. So, so um, <clears throat> Brent, do you guys probably, like when Tom says it's foul trouble, say like Caldwell Broom gets in foul trouble, then Scott will probably play one of those positions? Yeah, I, I, he's a big man. He's not going to play on the outside a lot, so he'll, he'll if one of Auburn's big guys gets into trouble, then he'll fill in that spot. So, um, someone's like a, I think it was, I think it was Ryan. Um, you guys have told me that there's already someone on the softball to be the next coach, and it's a former softball player, you guys say? Yeah, no, I, def- I definitely did not say that. Um, there's still Mickey Dean. He's still the head coach, and uh, he absolutely, uh, I, I know, have no, no knowledge of him not being the head coach next year. I fully expect him to be, and I, I know that the seat will continue to get hot and, and that there needs to be a super regional appearance very soon, and there needs to be a, a good team next year. But, but no, he's going to be the head coach next year. So, how, so how, like, I, I saw – what do you guys think about like I know I think you guys seen the football schedule for and they said like for the first game wear white and the other games wear orange blue navy blue and stuff. But what do you think about the two thirty game and then like a nine thirty p.m. game? What do you guys think about those kind of times for football games and and I'll start with uh. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, TV scheduling is a big deal. And uh, Auburn going out to the West Coast to play uh, UCLA, That's uh, or Cal, excuse me, not UCLA. But um, when you're playing on the West Coast, your, time, your start time is going to be a little bit later. So that's that's just when they're replaced uh, based on TV scheduling. So no, nothing super important. So do you guys uh, – uh, Brent, I think he told me he gets closer to football season. I think there's a hundred and like what twenty seven 
more days till football season starts. And you tell me you get ask you a little closer still how Auburn's going to do. Do you still think they still can go seven and six this year and still go to a bowl game, or do you think they can probably do better? Well, I think we're only we're we're fewer than ninety days now, uh, so we we are close to football season, but. I, I meant ask me when we get really close to football season, when the roster is definitely finished and we've had an opportunity to watch this team practice a little bit. Let, let's get past media days and uh, wait till the roster is finalized and go through all the preseason stuff before I start making final predictions on the season. Okay, do you guys know, and um, Tom, I'll start with you, have you guys heard any more when Devon Hunter is coming back on the the football team, or is he already back, or is he still doing that um, suspension? He is. Uh, st- he is still under the investigation. Has not finished yet. So while he's while he's being investigated, he is still suspended, uh, along with a couple of other guys. We don't know all who, but it does center around Drake was. Yeah, well, hey, I was going to ask you guys, and I know I'm I'm you guys do this, but I want to know if you guys can keep a good friend of mine from Tallahassee, and we got in you guys' prayer. Um, his name is Bill Carroll. Um, he was driving his truck across the rubber track, and the the thing went down, and uh, got. The really passes back of the truck, but the train ran into the back of the truck and damaged his truck. And he has a hearing aid, but he can't hardly hear. And he has a few bruises. He's in Dallas Hospital. His wife is a nurse, but she's retired. But if you guys can keep them in his prayers. Um, yeah, we so, certainly will do that, Matt. Absolutely. And, um, and so, so, but have you guys heard any more from Sean? Yeah, we still not heard from Sean. Oh, well, hey, uh, do you guys know when you guys have you guys talked to Bruce Pearl or uh, JJ still lately? Yeah, so uh, again, I, I don't think uh, Bruce Pearl will be doing anything to, to much closer to the season. As far as JJ, he's uh, he's been out of town, and uh, we certainly plan on having him on the show at some point. But uh, he's he's been out of town the last several weeks. Where's Brooks at? Uh, Brooks is around the station. He's not usually on the Monday show unless I'm out of here. Well, if you see him, tell him I said, hey, and he's, and he's not fired. Good. He, uh, that's very important. I'm glad he's, he's not, not fired. But, hey, Tom, I want to know. I want you to be honest. Uh-oh. Okay. Brent and Ryan, I want you to hear this. Okay. Are you definitely behaving? Don't say, uh, uh, I don't know. I want an honest answer. Well, I think I've been behaving now. I don't know whether these guys agree or not, but I feel like I've been on my best behavior. I'm going to judge if Tom is behaving on Wednesday or not. Uh, that's, Wednesday is going to be my day of judgment for Tom. Okay. Uh, okay. Hey, um, Ryan? Yes. And Brent? What's up? When I call you guys next Monday... You guys do a report on on Tom behaving, and when I call you guys next Monday, I wanted to know what you guys wrote down and, and how he behaves the okay. rest of the weekend. And I call you guys on Monday, and you guys keep your fingers crossed, guys. 
tomorrow I'm going to do my swim coach about probably doing maybe four more years of swimming until 2026 and uh, see if I can do better for to go to national for swimming for Special Olympics. So if you guys can keep your fingers crossed. Okay, that's a big conversation to have. We'll we'll have to ask you about that next Monday. Because I'm gonna do I'm gonna do the fifty freestyle, the hundred meter freestyle, and the four fifty relay uh, freestyle. Okay. And so so, hey, but you guys, I know my time. Like um, I'm on fit fourteen something minutes, and and so, so I'll call you guys next Monday. And don't forget to write, and um, Brian and Brent, don't forget to write that report and make sure Tom behaves. Absolutely. We'll have a complete report for you. Uh, and tell Brent, I said, hey. I mean, tell Ryan, tell Brooks, I said, hey, and I'll probably get him maybe next Monday if you guys can get, probably get DJ, too, and Devon Reed. Sounds good. good. Sounds good, Matt. You have a great week. Hey, you guys want to do the countdown real quick? Real quickly. Five. Four. Three, two, one. War Eagle. Hey. Beat, Beat Bama. 53, 19. Good come to our field. We're going to knock you out of the playoffs. Booyah. 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 War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Matt. That is Matt. From Tallahassee, Matt for Auburn, joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to take our first time out on the show. Back with more of your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line right after this. Call has been on the air since 1995. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. We have our Mixler running today. We think it's a fi- it's fixed for good, so you can go back or you can go listen to it on the Sports Call tab uh, of the, the Tiger.fm website, the Listen Live stuff. You can always listen on, on the Tiger 95.9 tab, but uh, we believe we've fixed the, the issue with uh, the Sports Call Auburn tab, it's certainly working today. Fingers crossed it will continue to work. But, of course, that is one of the many fine ways to listen, including you can listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. All right, let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free one tiger 9 Next up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing? I'm good and War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that we're so close to uh, football season, but I was just trying to see, like, on our schedule, just like from my best friend, uh, Matt from Tallahassee, he was talking about, like, the different uh, times and uh, 
game time schedules. I think with with the uh, schedules at the bottom with the uh, with certain times that are to be announced. Like for Auburn versus Georgia, I think that would be like a twelve thirty or one o'clock kickoff as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It'll kind of depend on what all is going on in the SEC that week. Uh, that's mm-hmm. obviously how the the TVs kind of slot it against other SEC games. I think that is uh, what day is that? September thirtieth. So quick scan of the other games, it's possible that would be the 2.30 CBS game, depending on how Auburn starts the season, certainly with Georgia's credentials. Uh, but it could be any time. I also could see that being a night game, where it could be a, a 6 o'clock ESPN kickoff. Uh, the, the SEC, all the SEC teams are playing uh, SEC matchups that week, so it would be a busy week for, for, for figuring out time slots. But I think if Auburn gets that Cal game to start the year, and then especially if they get A&M somehow too, uh, I think that would be a 2:30 game, is my guess. Yeah, because um, I'm just going to be going to some of the games in person. I'm just going to seven home games this year, and um, the first game that I'm thinking about going to in person would be Auburn versus UMass. So I have to see how uh, UMass actually, uh, you know, they're, they'll be playing in August. So I got to watch them very closely because I do have. I know on our schedule, I know we play New Mexico State, uh, Aggies, and then we play UMass. So I'm going to be watching those two uh, teams very closely. So I'm going to be studying, um, you know, New Mexico State, and then I'm going to be studying uh, UMass University. So I'm going to be, you know, bouncing back and forth between these two teams because I know they're on our schedule this year. So I'm going to be studying these two teams very closely and, uh, getting to see uh, New Mexico State quarterback and getting to see uh, UMass quarterback as well. So I'm going to be studying, uh, you know, their their playbook as well. Yeah, it is kind of interesting that uh, UMass and and uh, New Mexico State will play in that week zero uh, week zero slot. So both will have a game under their belt. Obviously, Auburn does not play New Mexico State till the, the very end of the year, but uh, UMass will play the game. Uh, before that Auburn game. So uh, you can scout them a little bit. And as you said, Auburn will play them both. And Auburn plays UMass for Auburn's first game at 2.30 on September the 2nd. Yes, because um, when we actually play like certain, like when we have these games, I'm actually looking at other games as well, like other teams that Auburn will be playing. And actually, um, I would be looking at Alabama and uh, seeing their schedule and uh, studying their quarterbacks and uh, seeing what we're what you know what we're going to do when the Iron Bowl weekend uh, comes around. I think it'll be like the end of November if I'm if I'm correct on that one. That is correct, November twenty fifth. Okay, so I will be actually looking at their at their schedule. Uh, next month and um, picking out like on their on their schedule picking out like the losing games that Alabama would be losing as well how many times do you think they're going to lose this year um that I would have to say I'm looking at like a oh and seven uh record. Hmm. I don't. I honestly, James, I don't think so. Uh, I think that they're 
Uh, going to be somewhere between zero and two losses as they they usually. They might are. win the national title. This I mean, year. I, I we'll we'll see. Uh, they they could lose a game or two, but uh, if they start zero and seven, that means they would have lost to the likes of Middle Tennessee and South Florida, and um, I quite frankly don't see that. Yeah, because um, Middle Tennessee, um, Auburn actually played. I think we played Middle Tennessee one one year in Jordan Hare Stadium. If I'm not correct on that. But I think middle their first game is Middle Tennessee, so I think Middle Tennessee uh, it, it's that that's a hard that's going to be a hard win at, in Bryant Denny Stadium. I think that's going to be a hard hard win for uh, Alabama to actually beat Middle Tennessee because I mean Middle Tennessee they have a great great football program as well and one of the longest programs that I could remember in in their school's existence. Alabama's favored by 38 against Middle Tennessee, but we'll see what happens while they play it on the field. What else do you got for us today, James? Well, I actually am going to be watching Game 5 of the NBA playoffs and actually seeing if uh, Denver is going to win, which they're, uh, they're actually favored uh, by nine-and-a-half nine point favored in um, – with a uh, sports book out of Las Vegas. So I think they're going to actually have that actually uh, take a good margin with that as well. And I've actually put in my bets for this game tonight. I have a $100 bet down on Denver winning the whole thing in game five and actually uh, seeing them actually, you know, doing a parade on uh, Tuesday as well. Uh, do you know how much you would win on that hundred dollar bet? Um, that I would not know. I think it's like fifty dollars of that as well. So I'm actually risking a hundred to win uh, fifty dollars uh, on my ticket tonight. Gotcha. So you'd collect one fifty. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. No, I like uh, I, I like Denver's chances tonight at home. I definitely think they'll win the series, and I think it'll be Game Five. I projected five. Um, to start the series and uh, got a little bit not confused but but wondered aloud if if Miami could get another one once they got one in Denver but uh, Denver took care of business and it looks like they uh, they're going to win the title just a matter of when uh, do you have a uh, finals MVP picked out for us um, I'm actually picking my finals MVP for tonight would be the Joker. I think it's his time to actually step up in the MVP uh, in the MVP Hall of Fame uh, with some of the great uh, legendary uh, MVPs before him. Um, that will be on Tuesday show. I'll probably uh, tell y'all all, all the future MVPs that actually won uh, in the NBA Finals as well. Oh, a little Back to the Future stuff. Okay, I got you. Uh, anything else for us today, James? Well, I'm actually going to be looking at uh, some NFL news because I know we're so far away. We're like right around the corner to opening uh, week in the Hall of Fame uh, enshrinement ceremony game, which I am actually going to be rooting for the Cleveland Browns. And I do have the Browns actually winning the Hall of Fame game. And uh, seeing this will be my first time ever seeing Aaron Rodgers play in New York, and um, I'm thinking that the New York Giants, uh, the New York Jets, look like a Super Bowl contender team. And for that, 
Um, I'll probably see like the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Jets play in the Super Bowl as well in Las Vegas, uh, Nevada as well. Yeah, that Hall of Fame game will be the first time we've seen Aaron Rodgers play for the Jets too. And I, I think that uh, for the Hall of Fame game and really all the preseason games, it's very difficult to predict those. You just never know. Uh, how how much the starters are going to play, how deep they go into the depth chart, and that sort of thing. So I don't know who will win that game, but it will be exciting to have football back here in a couple of months. Yes, as well, because I know um, the NFL fantasy football draft is actually coming to a close, so I'm just going to skip over the NFL fantasy football draft and just pick pick players at random like I did in the past couple of years so i'm just trying to see who i want to pick and maybe i might pick some auburn players as well and put them on my roster as well my bold prediction is that you are going to end up taking some some auburn players james i think you're going to take someone like tank bigsby or or something like that i mean you're 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 an auburn fan you take your auburn guys yes i actually do because i do have a lot of ties with uh tank bigsby he's one of my uh great guys that I actually seen in person at Auburn and um you know I I I think you know I know that uh somebody was telling me uh the other day they were saying um who do I think that would be the next uh statue to be unveiled in in front of Jordan Harris Stadium and I was thinking maybe either uh Smoke Monday or Cadillac Williams or uh, our Good friend of the show, my great friend, uh, Trayvon Reed. I would, I would actually see Trayvon Reed's uh, statue being unveiled in in front of uh, Jordan Hare Stadium as well. Uh, well, we love Trayvon. We uh, we we think that Trayvon should be honored in a number of ways, but we'll have to see where they go with more statues in the in the future. I think if they ever did a Smoke Monday. Uh, deal that have to include uh, something where he was getting called for targeting, I think. But uh, any final thoughts for us today, James, before we let you go? Um, the only final thought that I actually have is from my great uh, friend, Matt from Tallahassee. I will keep him, I will keep his friend uh, in my prayers, and um, I'm hoping he'll have a speedy recovery um, and get well soon, man. Absolutely. That's very kind of you, James. All right, sounds good. And uh, War Eagle. Now, if uh, Matt from Tallahassee, um, if he wants to, you know, give me a call, I'll actually uh, give out my number on the show tomorrow, and you all can pass the message along as well. He typically only calls us on on Monday, so we'll have to uh, we'll have to maybe wait a little bit uh, towards later in the week or first of next week, but we can try and set that up. All right, sounds good. And War Eagle, guys. War Eagle James, that is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take another timeout. Back with more sports call right after this. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... 
Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brent Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon. Let's go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up, Ward Damn Steve. Retire Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing? Doing good, folks. Uh, how's your day been going? Uh, doing quite well. Okay, so it's Tom and you and Brent? Yes, sir. All right. Well, gentlemen, let's get to it then. Um, I was just reading from Jason Caldwell's uh, talk about uh, his observations during uh, uh, we have 707 uh, camp this uh, past weekend, and he said he was struck by not only the amount of participants, which he says around 500, which is said, wow, that's amazing, but the quality of the uh, participants. Uh, he said he hadn't seen in the past probably 10 to 15 years. These are four-star uh, people, either uh, possible commitments or already, uh, I guess, verbally committed to other major uh, uh, programs. So, guys, uh, well, what do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it continues the trend that we've seen uh, since Hugh Freeze got here of getting things back in the place that they should be and, and hopefully exceeding those things at some point. Uh, they've, they've clearly... Uh, they clearly understand what the what the objective is in, in acquiring talent and and recruiting and that sort of thing. And uh, the seven on seven deal we did uh, we had Cam out there. Uh, he he went out there last Friday and 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 uh, saw some of the the, the players. He, I think he saw uh, Walker White out there and uh, Cam Coleman out there. So the, there's certainly some big Auburn uh, Auburn guys Auburn targets out there. And uh, yeah, again it's. Um, it's been impactful for sure. What uh, what Auburn, what gains Auburn is making on the recruiting side of things. I uh, continuing with our uh, football side of the program. Then uh, over the weekend, uh, two point seven Sports had a fan survey. I wouldn't have participated in it, uh, and then the results came out uh, today. I don't know if you had a chance to look at them as to different questions that were asked, like how many games will Auburn win, on uh, how the fans uh, vote. Have you seen those uh, outcomes? Uh, we have not. Okay, well, the choices were anywhere between four to five votes, uh, four to five wins, six wins, uh, nine or more wins, seven wins, eight wins. So the top go-getter, who would you think would be? Probably uh, about, about seven or eight wins, probably. Eight wins got the most votes, uh, 49.7 of the voters, uh, which I went with eight wins also. Uh, guys, I think I may have heard some of your uh, projections. Uh, I think you said probably about seven to eight wins, maybe nine wins. Yeah, I think we've all kind of been in the same range, certainly. I don't know if we've all committed to one particular number. I know that I have not and probably wait till around SEC media days to commit to a, a number. But, yeah, I think seven to eight wins is, I think, the most likely outcomes. I think nine is is fathomable. 
Uh, I think on the other end, six is fathomable uh, for for the opposite reasons of nine. But I I think those are the ranges uh, of 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 how it would go. And yeah, I think seven eight is the is the most common. Okay, well, six wins uh, gathered only uh, garnered four percent of the fan votes. Sure, I you know, and I think Peyton Thorne. Uh, moves the needle certainly, but obviously when you've got fan votes, fans are going to be more optimistic than pessimistic. So, uh, yeah. so, but uh, you know, again, I don't think six is one of the most. Again, I think seven or eight is the most likely. I'm just saying that six is is a part of that range. It's not necessarily the the mode. It's not not the most likely. I'm thinking that seven should be the the floor for for this uh, group, and probably nine may be the ceiling. What do you think, guys? Yeah, when we speak ceilings and floors, we kind of have maybe a more uh, exaggerated range because we got to factor in some, you know, the the worst the worst version of everything. So, like, instead of just thinking that Peyton Thorne is going to be decent, we would say what happens if Peyton Thorne is really bad or or, or poor, and and Robbie Astrid needs to start part of the year. We've got to think about. Uh, you know, if the defensive line who was bad against the run last year is not only bad against the run this year, but maybe they're not as good against the pass rush post Derek Hall, you, you've got to, you've got to think about the worst case version. So I would still include six in the floor for sure, and, and again about about nine for the ceiling, and uh, you know maybe even wider than a, a, a game than that. But I, I think that I think I feel good that that five and seven is not going to happen anymore. I think that ten and two uh, is is not likely. Can I cook up a, a scenario? Maybe. So maybe that's the ceiling. But I again, six to nine wins is. I have no problems anywhere uh, within there from from a from an expectation standpoint. All right, another survey question, guys. Your consensus: Which rival does Auburn have the best chance of beating this season? That's a good one. Um, I I I bet they probably said Alabama. Fifty-three and a half percent. Very good. You haven't read these events, have you? No. Uh, okay. Well, the, re- the reason I say that's because that's probably the way I would lean to. Um, Georgia has been, you know, Auburn has been able to have, make more hay against Alabama than Georgia when they're at home um, in the last this last decade or so. And I think that as far as LSU, while LSU's not at the level that those two are, I think they will still be really good, and that is a road game. So I think that's what offsets the. Uh, ability to, uh, or the 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 lesser ability that LSU will have to a degree. So, uh, you just look at home Iron Bowls and Auburn, save for uh, you know the the years where coaches got fired, essentially, uh, like the like the uh, 2012 Chiswick year or the the 2000 and uh, I guess say eight was a, a road road Iron Bowl. But uh, they, they most Iron Bowls, whether Auburn's good or not, they they are in the game for an extended period of time. So that 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 is not necessarily true against Georgia. It was not the last home game there. So I, I think that Bama would be, out of those three, slightly more likely. Okay. Which of the following SEC games scares you the most? Here are the categories, the teams. A&M, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Uh. So I would normally say, or, or right now, get based off of the, how good the teams are, I'd probably say Ole Miss. But Auburn's been doing a good job against Lane Kiffin teams. Uh, I think that I, I'm certainly not too worried about Mississippi State. I will say that. Um, 
Arkansas this year. It's a big year for them. Uh, it's it, I think opinion could differ a lot on on how you feel about the job Sam Pittman's doing. It is a road game as opposed to a home game for Ole Miss Mississippi State. And then A&M's on the road, and, and quite frankly, I just don't know uh, with A&M this year. I mean, they're, they're taking a swing with Petrino. Uh, they, they need this to be a not just an okay year. They need, they need a 9- or 10-win team this year uh, to, to, to kind of quiet some doubters, uh, which scares me the most. Gosh, I don't know. They're, they're all – they're all different degrees. Maybe, maybe I say A and M just because it's so early in the year. Like that's that's their first real game of the year for Auburn. If 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 Cal is anything like they've been the last couple of years, where they're winning like two games a year, then A and M's your first true. All right, you need to play a good football game, and it is on the road. I'll go A and M. Very good. I I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm let's say I'm pleasantly surprised uh, that you did what the fans voted. A and M was your top choice. Yeah, I almost talked myself into Ole Miss, but again, it, it's it's at home, and they're I, at the bottom. Uh, they're at the bottom. They're less worried well, than sorry, Mississippi State. The bottom. Okay, I was about to say State was two point percent. Ole Miss thirteen point eight percent. Arkansas was uh, right next to A and M twenty one percent. Then A and M was sixty two. I thought Arkansas would be more scary than A and M, but maybe I'm just going by last year. You know, Carnell. Uh, you know, we had them at home. We beat them badly, but I could see your logic that you know they got to win this one. Okay, and then here's another category. Who will be Auburn's starting quarterback for the majority of the season? I would assume Peyton Thorne would be the answer. Yeah, 87% yeah. voted uh, for, for that one. All right, so uh, going on, guys, just real, real quickly, uh, and maybe I'll leave this for tomorrow, just sort of like a, uh, you know, a teaser. You know, you're always doing uh, what you've been doing, Town's Name Tuesday. Sure. Okay, well, this one comes. It's related to sports. Yes. It's about a, uh, I've never heard of this place, uh, a place in New Jersey. I'll give the state, uh, but I won't give you the name of the little town. And it has to do with apparently the town got fed up, or the Little World Series uh, program there got fed up with parents being rather obnoxious and actually uh, verbally assaultive towards umpires and umpires uh, refereeing in calls. So I'll tell you tomorrow as to how they decide to deal with it, and apparently some other programs said, yeah, we're going to try that too. So I'll leave with that. Uh, that one I'll talk more about tomorrow. Now, if you want to go ahead and read about it, you're welcome to. Uh, it's entitled, In This Youth Baseball League, Fans Who Mistreat Umpires Are Sentenced to Do the Job Themselves. It's on AP uh, website, and it's by a sports writer by the name of Dan Gelston. And it's a really interesting read. In fact, it's astonishing at the, uh, uh, the, the crap that uh, umpires in a little league have to put up with uh, by parents. All right. So real quickly, guys, uh, you know this uh, LIV and, uh, or Liv, I guess, and uh, P.J. Burgess apparently is not a done deal. Apparently, Congress and the Department of Justice is looking into some antitrust issues uh, with this merger. Have you read about that? I haven't read in full detail, but I did see the headline. And of course, you know, I I said last week that I I, I had my doubts that that uh, there would actually be a holdup, but maybe there will be. I mean, I don't know. There's there's a lot that each day brings that there's more confusion and and more detail. So I I, I suppose it is possible that it gets held up. Yeah. Well, apparently, the Department of Justice and members of Congress are taking another hard look, and this is a bipartisan look from Republican senators 
and uh, Democratic senators, and they're saying, uh, one uh, senator said, if the three major auto companies in America decide to merge, the Department of Justice would be all over it. He said, that's what we have here. This is from Richard Blumenthal, uh, Democrat of Connecticut. And then uh, Senator Romney uh, said some other comments. He's concerned about this, too. He said, we got a lot of problems, uh, especially uh, Saudis buying into uh, sports uh, U.S. team. And they said here, apparently lawmakers are using, are going to be using comments made by Commissioner Jay Monahan himself when he said that the deal would take, in quotes, the competitor off the board, which is a uh, smacks of antitrust issues. So uh, I just thought I'd bring your attention. Uh, there's some other comments. I'll save it for maybe tomorrow. I'll let you know some other issues that are being brought to attention. And also what Mr. Monahan told his employees about the real reason behind the merger. I don't know if you've read that one yet. I haven't. I would speculate that it would be involved with the the lack of money in reserves. But I mean, that, that's what the public answer has been. I don't know if uh, I don't know if that's the real reason or not. Well, you're a very astute person. Uh, you can find it uh, from Mark Schwabach on ESPN, and he apparently, uh, uh, I guess, has some really good sources on there. Uh, but someone at the meeting recorded it, and the recording says he told employees, "We cannot compete." with a foreign government with unlimited money, end of quote. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. That's it, guys. Uh, I uh, trust uh, you didn't lose any money at the uh, poker game, right? No, we, we worked it. <laughs> we did not participate in it. No, we just worked it. Oh, you it. worked it. Okay, yeah. we're good. That's probably the safer route to do uh, to go then. Yeah, that's the uh, well, that's the route we have to take because of where, the, okay, where our company puts it on. All right. Well, that's good to hear. All right, guys, thank you for taking my time for rambling some more. Uh, hopefully you guys have a relaxing, safe uh, afternoon and uh, we'll do some more tomorrow and i'll give you more details about this little known town that decided to take on irate and unruly parents at base uh, a little league baseball game sounds fun steve hi guys have a safe afternoon war eagle war eagle steve that's retired word am steve joining us on the auburn bank phone line we only have a few seconds left in the hour so anthony hang on the line we'll get to you to start the four o'clock hour uh, as we only got about 10 seconds left but uh, that was a full of phone calls hour number one again we're going to go to our hour break now anthony from auburn hang on the line we'll get to you to start hour number two when we come back you're listening to the monday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9 One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. 
It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Tom Peavy here with you on this Monday. We're going to go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line to start hour number two. 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, one 9 tiger 9 Next up on the show today, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you doing? I'm doing good. And you guys? Doing well. Doing great. Great, great. I had a, a, a question. Uh, you know, uh, now that the uh, football team has moved out of the old complex uh, and moved into the new one, what are they going to do with that old complex? Do so y'all got, you know what uh, kind of plans the university might have or uh, – uh, you know, as far as to utilize that space or whatnot. Yes. Yeah, so for the actual uh, the the offices and the actual interior interior of the building, there's already been a lot of other uh, parts of the athletic department or or other other uh, team sports involved with having some of the offices in there. So that will only increase as far as the actual fields that they have the the outdoor fields and the one that's uh, covered. I'm not really sure. That could be kind of some uh, extra practice area. I don't know if maybe you send special teams out there for the, across the street because I mean the facilities still backs right up to uh, the, the the new one, so it's not a, not far away. So there there might be some ancillary work over there, or I, you know I really don't know, but but uh, I know that the interior will will definitely continue to be used frequently because other people will have their offices in there. Okay, I wonder about that. One other thing I want to say, you know, I I think I might have mentioned this last week about Tommy Tuberville. Uh, several a, de- a delegation went up to talk to him. They want to change the rules or, or put some restrictions somewhere to cut back on uh, the transfer and 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 cut back, uh, you know, uh, handicap the money, if you will, uh, that these athletes are getting. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on that or, or whatnot? And then I might add a little something after y'all get through talking. Uh, sure. Yeah. No, I. I still wish I knew more of the particulars of, of what these coaches are are actually wanting the, the plan to be, wanting the rules to be. I, I, everyone agrees in the coaching community and among athletic directors and everybody that they want rules and they want guidance and they want some sort of restrictions. But I've not really heard a lot of solutions for what those particular numbers or restrictions would be. So I know that they're all on board because, well, you don't go asking Congress for such unless you are in some deep trouble and you and you really want things to get sorted out. So I don't know what the suggestions of these coaches are when they're going to Tommy Tuberville or going to uh, the various politicians in Washington that are, that are going to work on this, but – uh, it's clear that it's a serious matter to these coaches, to these teams, to these schools because, well, they wouldn't have gone up there in the first place if it wasn't. So I'm not sure what they're asking for, but uh, I, I would still bet that we're still maybe a couple years off just because of how slow things move up in Congress. But, but, but again, I know that they're taking it seriously. You know, as far as transferring, you know, uh, 
you know, sometimes the athlete can get misled by certain things. Uh, I mean, whether somebody, you know, stretched the truth a little bit or or maybe something was presented in front of him that he couldn't resist and uh, made a mistake and, and signed with somebody and had no intentions of doing so. And then once he get there, things ain't uh, so lovely as they thought and might want to leave or, or get there. Uh, maybe a coach might say something to him that he don't want to hear or, or whatnot, and um, and that might not be the place for the individual. Then, uh, you know, I think a guy should be able to tr- let him transfer on out of there. That'll give him one. If he gets another transfer, then it's going to have to be something real serious, uh, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, some kind of hardship where he got to be close to home or or something, you know, uh, without having to sit out a year or, or whatnot. But I will say this now. uh if you're going to still have a rule, I mean, if you still got things in place where scholarships are renewable every spring like they were when I played ball, uh, they call you in the office and say, look, you're just not going to pan out for us. Uh, we don't think you will. Uh, we need this scholarship with somebody else. Uh, bye. Get out of here. You know, uh, if scholarships going to be renewable every year like that, as long as they're renewable, then I think at any time an uh, athlete should be able to transfer at any time, as long as they still like that. Now, until you change that, then uh, – Ain't no use about putting up restrictions on how many times somebody can transfer. You know, because I've seen guys that, you know, they did what they had to do in the classroom, took care of business there, but just went cutting on the field and got the scholarship pool and then had to leave school and, and couldn't afford at the time to probably go back to school. And, you know, somebody come to your house and tell your parents, oh, we're going to take care of you and we're going to do this and do that, but they don't never tell you, but the scholarship is renewable every spring. Uh, you don't find that out till you get there. But, I mean, as far as making money, Hey, if Saban can collect 10 and Jimbo can get 10 or 11 and, and the average football coach can get a good 4 or $5 million and defensive coordinators, some of the ones on the top end, can get 2.5 or 3 and then some of them on the low end can get a million dollars. And you got offensive line coach can get $800,000 every year and any kind of bonuses or perks that come along with it. And all that money we talked about in the past and previous calls when I called in, there ain't no sense in talking about putting a cap on somebody. When you already know that some of these athletes, you know, we've talked about it, that anybody – just about can make the minimum requirement to qualify for some if they, you know, put a little work in and get a little help there. You can just about qualify. But as far as being able to stay there and actually graduate, that's a whole other can of worms for, for some people, and we all know that. And the coaches know that. And you get a kid in your program and, and you want to use him where he can help the university make money and help you win and keep your job. And then when his eligibility is up, he ain't nowhere near graduating. I don't care how much tutoring he get or this or that. It just ain't going to happen because he just didn't have the background from the start. You know, if you can't write a, a essay, if you can't do a research paper, if you can't read uh, Shakespeare and understand it and uh, be able to answer questions uh, in an essay style or paragraph or whatever the, the uh, teacher or instructor might request of you to do, if you can't do that coming out of high school, you're not going to learn to do that in college. You can forget it. There's no need to fool yourself nobody else. So that's why I say ain't no need to limit nobody with no money because uh, these athletes over the years have made schools, especially in the last 10 years now. I mean, I'm not going to even go back to years uh, other than that, but in the last 10 years, everybody has made a boo of money. I mean, I wish I had the vocabulary to tell you a substantial amount of money that schools all across this nation have made. And I know some have made more than others, depending on what kind of conference you're in and whatnot, and that's clearly understandable. So, But uh, still, having said that, Ain't no need in this day and time restricting anybody from making money as long as if the coaches can make money, if the athletic director can be on a $1.6 million contract or $2 million or whatever the school's giving him, plus housing allowance and everything else he can get out of it. And look at the commercials that savings are doing that ain't got nothing to do with uh, 
the contract that he, that University of Alabama ha- has him on or whatnot, or any other source of, of uh, money he might get from a public appearance or uh, engage, speaking engagement or whatnot that ain't even tied into the university, then uh, why limit somebody? What's wrong with people? It's just too much money out there. They be talking about limiting somebody just because you might not like one school loading up on players or this or that. It don't matter what's going on in America. The person that has the most money is always going to be able to load up on something. It don't matter if it's football or, or somebody running a grocery store or, or, or a trucking company that's, that's hauling merchandise and all across the country. Whoever got the most money is always going to have a little bit better than everybody else. It's always been like that, and it, could, and it will continue to be like that as long as the world's in existence. So ain't nobody about it fooling itself. Let everybody get their slice of the pie. We always talk about that apple pie and whatever kind of pie you want to eat and all the ham and cheese you can put on it. But uh, that's my two cents. And uh, like I said, uh, from time to time, I want to say one more thing. Sure. Go ahead. Now, Tuberville's in a position to really help this state of Alabama. Would you guys agree? Uh, I, I would say so, yeah. I mean, he, he's in the position where he's up there in Washington where he could get in the president's ear and all those politicians and people and all those committees and and different things that can uh, pull those purse strings and, and get all this government money for programs that could help your your district. Uh, is that is, if I'm not if I'm saying it right? Is that correct? Yeah, I mean in a lot of different ways. It, not to deep dive too far in politics, but uh, okay, well, obviously I'm the house has something to do with that too. But yes, I understand. But yeah, I'm gonna get it together here. Now, you when you look here at the state of Alabama, or just just gonna use Alabama, you know you got a lot of kids that are, you know, you see on the news all the time. This high school kid or junior high school kid and got in this and got in that. You know, I, I would think if there were some more programs, especially uh, some kind of program in the summers, that these kids could be out working, whether it be cutting grass or at a school, uh, uh, buffing and waxing floors or whatever it is, uh, somewhere uh, these kids could be productive uh, instead of uh, out running around with nothing to do. You know, maybe he should lobby for some programs for some of these underprivileged kids uh that could be in a program where they're going to work and working a good 40 hours every week while they're out of school where they can earn the money for the shoes and, and clothing that uh, parents clearly can't afford at the prices of what these kids on nowadays instead of the kids having to steal it or, or shoplift it or, or whatever they do to get it that's illegal and, and, and not right. Then why don't he be lobbying for something like that? And then you look at the prison rate. Uh, people continue to go back to prison or, or Alabama uh, got a problem where they don't uh, overcrowding. Why not be lobbying for some money to uh, to solve that solution? It's clearly needed. You can't doubt it. You want to keep the community safe. You don't want uh, uh, the wrong kind of people out in the community because you don't have a place to house them and uh, and keep them away from harming people. Then uh, he need to be lobbying for these things, but he don't care about nothing like that. He all he care about because somebody come up there and talk to him and probably put some in his pocket. Nobody does anything for free. Don't let anybody fool you on that. Put something in his, uh, in his pocket that was worthy enough for him to, to want to buck and go against the system. If he was coaching right now, I highly doubt if he'd be up there uh, uh, looking to stop something like that because he want to win games. You know what I'm saying? I mean, how dare a man like that uh, made all the money that he could make uh, coaching football at Auburn off the backs of players that didn't even graduate, didn't have a shot at graduating, uh, and, and he uh, got his pocket fat as a pig. And now they want to cut money out of the hands of, of, of the very ones. But I'm going to tell you what, like I was telling a co-worker, it don't matter now. You didn't let them have the money. You didn't expose them to it now legally. If you take it away, they got all the power. All they got to do is don't show up for a game that Saturday or two. Do it for two or three weeks, and we'll see what happens. Do it for a whole season. And then, hey, what are you going to do then? You can't make no money if there ain't no games on TV 
or the players that you put on the field ain't worth watching, you can't make no money. Then the power's in the hand of these athletes. If they, all they got to do is realize it, recognize it, and tell them, hey, if you can't, then too bad. We just won't show up. You won't have no, nobody be making no money. And that'll take care of the whole thing. Well, I appreciate it, gentlemen. Appreciate the phone call, Anthony. That is Anthony from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. I feel like it's necessary after all that to say Tommy Tuberville has gone on record saying he does not want to limit the amount of money that these athletes can make. And I don't think anybody's saying that. Nobody wants to limit how much these guys can make from their name, image, and likeness. They are trying to put restrictions on using uh, collectives, paying players, and using that the school portion as, yes, as a recruiting tool. They're trying to take money out of the recruiting process, but certainly not trying to limit how much money a player can make while they are at that school. Right, and look – Things don't always operate it's, it's as how. intended, and yeah. and so it was intended to be what we saw on opening day, basically, make it sound like it was a baseball season or something, but on opening day when people were signing Milo's deals and signing deals with <laughs> company, that is really what this is intended to be, partnerships with, with places in the community, with, uh, with, with businesses, with other things. Uh, and I suppose if you donate into a fund, I, 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 that's when it starts to become a gray area. But certainly when you are giving money, basically more so as school, you know, school boosters are basically donating into something that you then call uh, a collective. And then you have pull from that to promise kids stuff and Mm -hmm. that that's the part of the equation that is trying to be uh policed a little bit more and it it gets into do you again a lot of us that are in auburn and in the sec footprint are not really too concerned about it or, or not as concerned about it because bigger schools with more boosters and more money to give are the ones that are in a good place here. So you see the top half of these conferences, top half of the league talking about, you know, or maybe being less uh, demonstrative or, or potentially less demonstrative about caps and, and all this stuff. Um, however, that part, you can always find ways. And this gets into an uncomfortable discussion about where the money actually comes from and mm-hmm. how hard you want to police it and how, how honest you want to be. There's always ways to get people compensated, whether it's above board or not. And you can have all the right intentions and say, and actually get this thing down to, all right, it's just personal endorsements. It's just contracts with businesses. It's not anything school related. And then you'll go right back to, all right, well, here's the car. You're right. That yeah. we're, we're that are not that's not on the books. Here's welcome, here's, welcome, four star high school recruit. Let me take you by Kia of Auburn right. so you can see our friend. Right there. The, here's here's he, he can maybe promise you something here. Don't tell anybody about it though. Yeah. Here's this special card. Uh, here's the <laughs> limit on it. You know. I mean, like yeah, you can always yeah. find ways. I mean, yeah. we're we're not we're, my favorite we're not saying, ignorant. We're not ignorant. My about favorite this. saying saying is I might have been born, but it sure wasn't yesterday. And, you know, so it depends on how much you want above and below board, to be quite honest with you. I don't think that you truly get the results of like an like an NFL or NBA where you have this very designed cap. You cannot break it. 
we'll give you ways to structure contracts. We'll give you this type of stuff, but you're not getting, you know, there's ways you can operate in your facility facility different than others, all that. But there's still always been ways and there's always going to be ways to get around the rules. And so I'm not as passionate about an actual outcome here because the schools with big boosters and big money will always find ways. It, it, it it's, and you can get mad and say, well, that's against the rules, but it's always been against the rules. And the NCAA has never, on, on a frequent basis, targeted stuff like that. There have been times, there have been very famous times, when you, when you flaunt it, then the NCAA will come. But if you keep it below the table and you don't start waving your arms on top of the table, then the NCAA doesn't aggressively pursue that. And, and that has been the story for a long time. So this is a conversation that, again, I, I think will continue for multiple years because even when they actually, if they pass something eventually, when and if they pass something, then we're going to be talking for the next couple of years about, well, is that the right thing? How is this being used? Are there unintended consequences of what they've done? And so this conversation will go on and on. But the moral of the story is, uh, and Anthony kind of alluded to this, those with money will come out looking better, period, because they will have more resources to give, period, whether they are uh, allowed or not, permissible or not, they'll find ways. And I, I think that that is going to be true no matter what they end up passing or, or if there's a cap or a team cap or player cap. It, Again, there will there will be ways. That, that's that's what I promise you at the end of the day. We're gonna go to our first timeout of hour number two. Still ahead on the show, birthdays and sports coming up in a little bit. Also, conversation about the running back in football today. Um, another high profile NFL running back was released last week. Dalvin Cook of Minnesota, and it sparked in my head: Are have we gone too far in the pendulum? Are there too many? Uh, running backs that are being devalued or is this what modern football is are running backs not as valuable as they used to be we'll talk about that a little bit later you're listening to the monday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9 you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au want more sports call check us out online at sportscallauburn.com Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brant Daughtry with you here. We're going to be live from our studios on South College Street. Again, we've got our stream working on the Sports Call Auburn tab of the Tiger.fm website. So uh, we, we 
hope that is a permanent fix, but it's certainly at least a temporary one, which is better than what we can say the last couple weeks. So uh, we, we have, of course, a lot of ways to listen to our Sports Call podcast, including After the Fact on the Sports Call podcast, which is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola taste the feeling all right as we continue on with this monday edition of the show we've not yet done birthdays and sports let's do that right now it's time for today's birthdays and sports birthdays and sports is presented by max credit union today we've got hideki matsui here turns 49 former outfielder two-time all-star a world series champion and world series mvp as a member of the new york yankees matsui played japanese professional ball before making his way into Major League Baseball, where we'd play from 2003 to 2012. Matsui did not miss a game his first three seasons with the Yankees, putting together a streak of 518 games played consecutively, which by these times, even though that wasn't that long ago, be very tough to get to 518 in a row now. In 2018, Matsui was inducted into the Japanese Baseball Hall of Fame. Hideki Matsui turns 49 today. Yeah, he uh, he played high school ball at baseball, Japanese baseball powerhouse Siryo High in Kanazawa Ishikawa. I will take your word for it. But I don't know. They, I, I couldn't find a nickname or a mascot or anything like that. But apparently there's like this huge high school baseball tournament that goes on in Japan. And Siryo uh, is like one of the best teams to play high school baseball. So we'll that's call them the fighting Hideki Matsui. There you go. So. Hideki Matsui. Siryo High and Kanazawa Ishikawa. So he turns 49 today. Kerry Kittles turns 49. Former NBA player and college basketball star. Selected 8th overall in the 1996 NBA draft out of Villanova. Go Wildcats. Oh, Wildcats. That's right. I was like, gum. I just lost track of what Villanova was. <laughs> Before getting drafted, Kittles was a consensus All-American, Big East Player of the Year, three-time All-First-Team Big East selection. Kittles played in the NBA from 1996 to 2005, where he spent most of his career with the New Jersey Nets. Kittles, number 30, is retired by Villanova. Go Wildcats. I, I may have forgotten that one. However, I do know that Kerry Kittles is from New Orleans, Louisiana, where he went to St. Augustine High. Go Purple Knights. Purple Knights. Purple Knights. That's different. Okay. Not Golden Knights or Black Knights. Purple or, Knights. Okay. Purple Knights. Kerry Kittles. He turned 49 today. Dallas Clark turns 44. Former tight end out of Iowa. Go Hawkeye. Clark was selected 24th in the 2003 NFL Draft. Clark is a Super Bowl champion, pro bowler, former first-team All-Pro. During his time with Iowa, he was a unanimous All-American, first-team All-Big Ten, and won the John Mackey Award for best tight end in college football. Finished his professional career with over 5,600 receiving yards and 53 touchdowns. And he reigns from which high school? Uh, well, So he's originally from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, but then he moved to, it's either Bode, Iowa, B-O-D-E. It's either Bode or Bodie, like sure. a town of like 300 and some odd people. Uh, he attended Twin River Valley High School, which closed in 2012, and at the time, Darn. they were the Thunder. The Thunder. So they didn't reach out to Dallas like, hey, That's not- you were good in the NFL. Yeah. You have a lot of money. A little goes a long way. Help. <laughs> I guess not. Oh, well, that's that's now that's three or four times a, an entire high school is closed on these guys. But uh, yeah. now, well, it was like it merged. Like I said, it was a tiny little town. Yeah, um, 300 people. Yeah. yeah. And so they kind of merged with a different school district to kind of 
make it better. Yeah, so, tough but fair. Tiny, li- tiny little Twin River Valley High School no longer exists, but they were the Thunder. They had a twin, and that's where they went, the other side of the river. Dallas it's now Clark. one valley. Yeah. <laughs> uh, single valley. Dallas Clark, who turns 44 today, and Ryan Clasco turns 52, former Atlanta Brave. Clasco played with the Braves from 1992 until, until 1999. From there, he would play with two other teams, the Padres and the Giants. Won a World Series in 1995, was an All-Star in 2001. He hit 278 career home runs and had just shy of 1,000 RBIs with 987. His best season came in 1996 when he hit 34 home runs. Ryan Klesko is 52 today. Straight out of Westminster, California, Westminster High, go Lions. But check this out. The school's name and traditions are derived from Westminster Abbey in London, England. The school's colors of red, black, and white are those of the Queen's Guard. The school's mascot, Leo the Lion, is a national animal of England. The student government, called House of Lords, also represents the government of England. Each ASB member serves under a minister position, while the board of ASB serves under specific names representing that of England's government. ASB president is referred to as the Prime Minister. ASB vice president, chancellor, secretary of minister of records and treasurer to execute uh <laughs> so yeah westminster high school they base everything off of westminster abbey and yeah. that's why they are the lions whenever you're in a conversation with someone you're taking something too serious you know someone will say it's not that deep it's not that deep bro that that's kind of how that, that that's a way too deep of a connection hey, i think they named it there's westminster and they're like let's do everything after westminster abbey they have a rivalry against Ocean View High School where both schools battle it off during football season in the Battle of the Bugle. Whoa. <laughs> battle of the Bugle. Okay. So well, that go. is something Ryan else. Ryan Klesko, Westminster High School. Go Lions. So Ryan Klesko, 52. Dallas Clark, 44. Kerry Kittles, 49. If I knew how to do a really good British accent, I would say go Lions in a British accent. Go Lions. Go Lions. Solid. Lions. Go Lions? Go Lions. <laughs> I don't you're, know. You're yeah. closer to Australian, I think, and also uh, something kind of dangerous. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> if Brooks is always a great impressionist, but Brance was solid there. It was, it was plenty good enough. Thank you. Thank you. So we're going to take our next time out on the other side of this break. More Sports Call. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome 
back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan Lavoie, Brent Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday. It's sunny now. It was pouring at the start of the show. Uh, there's just no telling uh, this week with the weather. There's going to be a lot of storms. How, yeah. Can I interest you? It's, it's that time of year. Can I it's interest you? Well, you see, to this degree, though, can I interest you in five to six inches of rain for the next week? Ooh. Like, yes, that actually. is abnormal. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love rain, so yes. But also, yeah, that is very weird. Yeah. And uh, thunderstorm blew through here about two in the morning last night, mm-hmm. 145. And yeah, I, that was... Uh, prompted a couple of severe thunderstorm warnings. Yeah. I, I didn't even know that was supposed to happen. And I was closing up the bar uh after finishing work and i'm i'm in there by myself all the music all the jukebox and everything's off and all of a sudden outside i started hearing these rumbles i was like what in the world was that and then i was like was that thunder and looked out the window and show enough and a nice lighting show and lightning show and everything uh, lightning show i mean it was striking all like near me so i had to sprint to my truck and then sprint back out of my truck into my apartment but i mean there was one flash. It hit something right near my apartment complex as I was coming in because it was like flash with the instant boom. And I was like, yo, yep, that hit close. I, I'm pretty sure. I, I don't know this for certain, but I think a transformer blew near my neighborhood. Like I, I heard that pop. You know, it sounded like just a, a gunshot outside my door at, right after a lightning strike that was really close to me. So I don't know. It, it was it was severe. And that wasn't last night. That was uh, yesterday afternoon around uh, noon or so. I think it was. Oh, there was some storms yesterday too. Um, yeah, no, it was it was busy. Um, it was severe thunderstorm warnings last night for Macon and Russell counties. I get uh, full disclosure. I get the updates. Any county in our listening area, I get when there's a severe thunderstorm warning or tornado mm-hmm. warning. Mm-hmm. So, um, fortunately, those do not wake me up. However, the thunder and lightning certainly did, uh, just for, just briefly, but. Right now it's sunny. We'll we'll see in an hour. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll just see. Uh, but as we continue on for the show today, want to talk about what's going on uh, in the NFL, but also with the running back position in general. As last week, maybe one of the more surprising uh, NFL offseason moves, other than obviously Aaron Rodgers finally wanting out of Green Bay, was that Dalvin Cook uh, is being released by the Minnesota Vikings. This is a guy that's had multiple thousand-yard seasons in a row. He's still 27 years old. Obviously, there is some underlying contract dispute here and, and, and all that sort of thing. But it got me wondering. We've talked about shelf lives of NFL running backs, and I went through some of the top running back ages. Um, everyone from McCaffrey, guys we've been with a little longer, like McCaffrey, Derek Henry, to some of the newcomers or relatively newcomers uh, in this. And I really could not find anyone uh, relevant that is playing a lot of really good football that's really older than 29 at this. I, I think Raheem Mostert might have been the most relevant over 30 back. Patterson's over 30, but he's about to be third string now in Atlanta. Uh, there wasn't much, but it was startling. Um, how young these guys are as they phase out and they lose value rapidly. Henry is, I think, uh, 29 right now. So Henry's like the oldest of, of top 10, 15 running backs go, and he's higher than that still. He had a 1,500-yard year last year. But what are your thoughts on these NFL running backs? Uh, you know, we, we had the discourse about where to take them in the draft back in April. 
now when to kind of move on from them because it seems that you don't really get beyond 27, 28 years old as guys being starter caliber in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously the running back in the NFL is definitely uh, not a big value to teams now. You, you don't see teams basing their offensive identity around a running back uh, to start. Now, obviously when a guy comes in and shows that they can be a Christian McCaffrey or a Derrick Henry, then sure, you, you utilize that a lot. But teams are going to be in the NFL nine times out of ten, it's going to be centered around quarterback, wide receiver because it's a very pass happy, it's a very pass happy league. But like I said, if you get a Derrick Henry, if you get a McCaffrey, um, if you get an Ezekiel Elliott in his prime, then yeah, you're going to use them a lot more. But you know, until until you have that true game changing guy, you're not going to really center your offense around that. So I, I think that's where the the undervalue for running backs come and then in like the case of dalvin cook you know you you don't have to have dalvin cook that's the thing and it's it's a shame because he is a really good running back but because of the way the league is you you don't feel like that you just have to have him but you have to have a quarterback you have to have some you know a couple of really good wide receivers because that's just where the game has gone at least in the nfl it's different in college and we will get to that in a little bit yeah, I, I, I think the prevailing thought is unless you have just a generational talent, and, and right now I think there are two in the NFL and Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey, and we'll see how long Henry holds up. But uh, unless you have a guy who is on that level, you don't need a great running back. You either need a generational talent or a guy who's just good. Thousand-yard backs, they don't necessarily grow on trees, but you don't need them to. Because you have these quarterbacks that can routinely throw for 4,000 yards a season. Uh, so the running game is just less important than it used to be. And unless you have an incredibly young quarterback who needs to heavily rely on a passing game, it really is not that much of a difference maker. Now, my, the team, the NFL team I cheer for is kind of leading the counterculture re-revolution on that, I guess, with... Uh, having Tyler Algier be a thousand yard rusher as a rookie last year and then drafting B. John Robinson at what, seventh or eighth, whatever it was. And they're expecting him to be that kind of generational guy and have Tyler Algier. They want to do two running back stuff, and that's all great. But I think unless you have a guy who is just special and every time he touches the ball, you go, oh crap, something cool can happen here, uh, they're really not, the, the value isn't there. And when a guy gets a little bit older and starts slowing down, well, hey, we know you were really good for the past four or five years, but here's this 21-year-old who we think can do exactly what you're doing now, and more importantly, we don't have to pay him nearly as much. So goodbye, Dalvin Cook, I guess. And it's a really interesting... um, You know, I I wonder if there's like a... uh, What's the word? Like some kind of union kind of issue here. Because, you know, the NFLPA might have a case of, hey, you're trying to get rid of these older guys and go to younger guys that you don't have to pay as much. And, you know, and it's something, if you follow on Johnson on Twitter, former Auburn running back, he feels very strongly about this. He feels very strongly about the way that running backs in the NFL have been treated lately, and he talks about it all the time. So it's a, it's a really interesting thing. I'm wondering at what point does it become a worker fairness issue? Um, and... <laughs> You know, mostly 
it's just I think it's kind of sad because I love the run game. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, it's important to note that that there are some situations where guys do age quicker than others. The Ezekiel Elliott stuff. Elliott's not on the wrong side of thirty yet, by the way, and right. he already looks like he is about out of out of gas. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tony Pollard surpassed him this year in Dallas, but Dalvin Cook's a guy at twenty seven. He's had four straight one thousand yard seasons, and in fact, last year he played all seventeen games, so he's been a healthy thousand yard running back. And of course, running backs trying to get whatever they can, however long they can get it. You know, there's a contract dispute there. I we've kind of studied these these recent Super Bowl teams, the makeups of their roster, like what kind of running backs are on these teams and why are they winning? And we're at this period right now where it's been heavy, great quarterback play. Like it's been Mahomes a couple times. Obviously Brady won a lot, which is its own thing. But, uh, you know, you, you've had a lot of great quarterback play. There's not really been of all these top running backs – I'm, I'm trying to go through them all right now in my head. I, when's the last time that the, the Super Bowl champion won like, the top couple running backs in the league? Sure. And I, I struggle to think about that. I, I don't – I'm not – nothing's coming to mind right now. I don't know if you you have one. I mean I – mean, e- It's, it's even so when, centered around quarterback and wide receiver. Even is- when teams either participate in the Super Bowl or they win it that don't have elite quarterbacks, like – I, like I take you Baltimore's year when they played San Francisco and it was like Kaepernick versus Flacco. Well, those guys weren't elite quarterbacks at the time. They were playing the best, cor- you know, play of their uh, careers, but they still weren't like dominant run teams. I guess San Francisco had Gore and and Baltimore had Ray Rice. Those were good running backs. I don't think that they were classified as top three running backs in the league at that time. But both teams had great defenses, and again, they got hot quarterback play but like i'm just struggling to think of the last time that a mccaffrey or saquon barkley level running back like led the charge for a super bowl team and so my my stance here is not like this is you know some injustice being done here but i guess what i I, why i bring it up it's like it's kind of shocking that these guys can be getting gotten rid of in the middle of of other people's primes like if we're a wide receiver if you're 27 this is like prime Sure. For you, and if you're 27 as a DB, you're in your prime, and all these other positions. Hell, at quarterback 27, you might not still have everything that you're going to have one day. You might still be understanding the game, but it just it, it's shocking how, in my mind, this is kind of justified. Like I'm not seeing the great argument for why you wouldn't start to phase out these guys five years into a career. Yeah. Do you have a counter? I, I think the only way that you can justify holding on to an older running back is if he is more than a running back. It, these, I mean, we keep bringing up Christian McCaffrey, and he's such a, a rare breed. Because he's entering this territory. Yeah, he's yeah. 27 now. He's yeah. getting to that breaking point age. But he, it, that's the kind of player you have to be. You have to be able to be a great running back and also a great receiver and also be a great blocker. And you have to do all of these other things that, uh, other than just take the handoff and run the ball. And I think that's the only type of player that will be held on to into the 30s. And, and I think that San Francisco does want to build around Christian McCaffrey. I don't think they're planning on letting go of him anytime soon. But it will be interesting to see as he enters that part of his career, what, what does he slow down at all? What, what, is, what, does the, what does San Francisco have in store for him? 
So, uh, do you have another thought? What, what, what I was going to say is, you know, we're we're just talking about the the undervalue of of running backs and everything, and you know, we've mentioned a whole bunch of names, but we haven't even mentioned. And this is again, this is how when the 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 talk of running backs come out, there there are names out there that you just don't even think about really because it's just a position that you're like outside of like one or two. We haven't even mentioned Nick Chubb. Right. Nick, Nick yeah. Chubb. Nick Chubb is now again twenty seven years old. He has had four consecutive thousand yard seasons, but now he's going to be in a situation you're talking about because he's not really a passing game guy. He is just a tote the rock type dude. Yeah. Okay. Well, how much more value are they going to be able to get out of Nick Chubb at twenty seven years old? He, and not not to mention they just got Deshaun Watson on an incredibly expensive contract. Uh, yeah, very right. expensive contract. So, are they going to be able to pay him? Chubb went last year 17 games, which, again, for a running back to play all 17, that's something. 1,500 yards, 12 touchdowns. And you said four straight 1,000-yard years. By the way, his rookie year, he missed it by four yards. Yeah. He's at 996 his rookie year. So, essentially, he's a 1,000-yard back every, every year in the league. And a high-carry guy clearly had 298 carries his second year, 302 this year. So if I told you over under one and a half more thousand yard seasons in his career, would that be debatable? Like, would you struggle to take the over on that as he gets as he's now twenty seven? I don't know if I would struggle to take the over. I may struggle to see it happen in Cleveland. Yeah, okay, Cle- you, Cleveland you need, like, might, one last revitalized situation or something. Yeah, because I, mean, I looked up another one. I you know there there were. Uh, it was a big comeback year for Saquon Barkley this year. Yeah, coming and off he, the injury, and he had because that guy is like, if you're profiling running backs out of college, like Bijan Robinson this year is probably the most like example to the hype around Barkley coming out of college. Barkley's first year, he goes 1,300 yards, 11 touchdowns, and then he's kind of healthy. His second year, he plays 13 games, thousand yards, but then he's just not healthy the next two years. So last year, in his fifth year in the league already, again, hard to believe, he basically has his rookie season all over again. 1,312 yards, 10 touchdowns. He had five more yards and one less touchdown. It was almost a mirror image just in one more game. So Barkley's a guy that's been oft injured. He's 26 now. That was his age 25 year. So he'll be 26 as he plays throughout this year. It's like, how much longer does he have? Because, again, we're not far removed from th- you know, slobbering over the guy about how talented he was, justifiably so, out of college, yeah. and he lived up to it from the word go, 1,300 yards as a rookie with double-digit t- touchdowns. But he's had injuries. He returned to that Saquon-like form last year. But, again, if I asked you the same question, well, over over under one and a half more 1,000-yard years, you'd be scared to take either way. You, you'll be like, it'd be debatable. Right. And I'm no great handicapper, but it's like you get to 28 as a running back that's had the injuries he's had, it, it's a good case if you're New York to say, I don't know if he's a starter in the league in two more years, three more years. Because right. what's one more significant injury do? Yeah. You know, that, and that's the frustrating part is one significant injury for a lot of these different positions does not affect your progress as much as one for the running back. You tear the ACL, all right, well, that that's not necessarily the end of it, but you probably won't get, as a running back, you probably won't get to 100% of your power again, you might get ninety percent, ninety two percent, but and then you have a second, you're done. Yeah. You just like you're just done at that point. Well, you know, I mean, this is going back a little bit, but I mean, just just take Carnell Williams for example. Yeah, oh, R- I know. R- I thought about the, saying this. Rookie yeah. of the year, 
rookie of the year his rookie season, but then uh, you know tears a patella tendon, and so obviously he's he loses immediate value from that. He comes back, he's okay. Then he tears his other patella tendon. He's out of the league and he's coaching. I mean, just that quick. I mean, you go from rookie of the year to coaching. So, you know, it, it, it's, you know it, it's crazy how that works with uh, running backs. Another running back we haven't talked about, Josh Jacobs with the Raiders. Uh, another one that is right now a high-value guy because, I mean, the Raiders offense, again, though, they, they didn't have that big high-profile quarterback. They struggled at the quarterback position. Receivers are kind of whatever. But Josh Jacobs was one that they could actually center that offense around. But that was not their intent. The intent for the Raiders was not to have their offense go through Josh Jacobs. It just that's how it ended up being. And that's what happens when you do find that that running back that can be uh, that force and that kind of long-term guy because he's now had 3,000-yard seasons. He went for uh, 16.53 and 12 touchdowns last year. Which led the league. Which led the league. Um and, and so, yeah, he Jacobs right now is a guy that, if you're the Raiders, you can kind of center your offense around that. But you're not going to do that very often, and you're not. I don't think you're going to be able to have uh, sustained success centering it around the running back because, again, like we were saying, the NFL is so pass. It's such a pass happy and pass dominant league that you have to be. You have to have a good quarterback. You have to have a couple of good receivers because that's where the top teams are going. The, the better teams have the better quarterbacks right now, and that's what we talked about. What was the last Super Bowl team that you could think of that like ran through a running back to get there? I can't think of the last time that that actually yeah, I'm happened. Trouble. Yeah. I really don't know. I, I think another thing we need to bring up here that it affects every running back, good, great, or some, somewhere in between, or, or bad, or whatever, we've talked about major injuries like ligament tears and stuff like that. Think about the wear and tear that their bodies go through just on a play-by-play basis. Even if they're not... Uh, you know, ripping their knees to shreds, which is a far too common occurrence. These guys are getting hit really hard every single play. Like, if you have 30 carries in a game and you score three touchdowns, you got hit 27 times by a guy who's probably bigger than you and taken to the ground. I mean, that puts a lot of wear and tear on the body. It doesn't force you to miss any time, but you wake up with an ache the next morning. You have that bruise, you know, you, you see it later that night in the shower. It's such a tough position on the body that even if you don't ever miss any major time, if you it don't have a cumulative effect, it is, yeah, that, it is a, a, a cumulative effect that really hurts your body later in your life for the, sure. The last guy to mention here, well, I want to mention two more real quick. One is a guy like Austin Eckler who is valued in the league, but he really catches the ball and, and creates as many yards catching as running. You know what kind? How long can he go with that? But also, it's like, well, he never got the apex that some of these others got because he's actually never ran for a thousand yards. He's had like seven and eight hundred yard receiving years every year, but he's never had a thousand yards rushing. So it's like you don't even think of him as an elite guy. But you, I, if if you play fantasy out there, like, oh yeah, he's like my number one pick every year. He's first round pick. Well, yeah, that's great. But he's also never really been labeled top five in the in the league just because he's more of a pass catch guy. So maybe that can hold up a little longer. Uh, but the one guy that bucks this so far, but again, any year, if I gave you the same deal with Derrick Henry, so Henry is this just thing that came off the UFO pretty much. <laughs> and 
1,500 yards last year after having kind of the first legitimately significant injury that I can recall him having. I mean, he had gone 15 or 16 games every year in the league until 2021 where he only played eight. By the way, he had 937 yards in eight games. He was doing quite well. Um, so last year he returns, and, and he has his third best season, basically, but he was two yards short of his second. So he basically has tied for his second best year. Well, Henry's this big dude who's now 29 years old, and he'll be 30 right around uh, the end of the season in January. So it's like if I asked you the exact same question, even as freakish as he is because he's two more years down the line and he is one significant injury in, if I asked you over and under one and a half, like what guy in the league that's 25 or older can I ask you about that you're going to confidently take over one and a half more thousand-yard years? It's it's tough, and here's here's further justification, and I'm going to ask you a question I don't know the answer to. Derrick Henry had all those yards and all those touchdowns. Derrick Henry had a really good year last year playing for the Tennessee Titans. But what was the Titans' final record? It was not good. It, they were not a good team. Yeah, they had one of the best running backs Hannah in the league. Stuff, yeah. And, and But they still weren't good. They, right. fi- they fired their offensive coordinator, didn't they? They, they made a couple of moves, I think. Uh, likely. Um, well, they changed GMs, too. Yeah, that too. Um, so, Which is usually not a sign Tannehill of success. Was, Tannehill was not very good, and then he was hurt. And remember, they had the try Malik Willis a few times, and it was it was a slugfest there for them. You know, that's probably what I'm saying is Henry has been the most physically imposing, most feed me guy in the league the last mm-hmm. four years. And Tennessee did have a couple good regular seasons, but they had absolutely no playoff success to show for it. Um, and, and compared to you know, if you were to take the best quarterback in the league or the most imposing quarterback in the league through four straight postseasons, I highly doubt you would not come out better than how Tennessee has the last couple of years. So it's a lot to think about. We are very much out of time for hour number two. I may or may not have gone a minute or two over, just take you behind ba- inside baseball. But we'll have more on this in hour number three. We'll translate it into the college game. We'll talk about the college of the or the value of the college running back compared to the pro quarterback some of the best college running backs out there and why if if it is different why is it different in college you're listening to the monday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9 Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Ryan LaVoy, Brent Daughtry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday. Hope you are doing well. Hope everyone out there had a great weekend. We certainly did out at the uh, Sheriff's Girls Ranch Poker Run on Lake Martin. Had a good time out there. And, of course, best and worst coming of the weekend coming up in just a few minutes. But 
We will continue on with the conversation that we were having on the other side of that timeout. We were looking at the state of the running back in the NFL, if it's going too far with valuations being of guys getting released, kind of still close to, if not in their primes, around age 27. I think the consensus is, yeah, we kind of see where these teams are coming from and that it's really hard to be confident in running back two years down the road because a lot can happen and injuries are a very common thing for the NFL running back. Uh, Real quickly, to to finish up the NFL side of things before we move to the college side of things, uh, we were looking up trying to figure out the last time that um, that we can make the good argument that the running back was kind of like the at least centerpiece, yeah, the centerpiece of why they won. Ninety seven or ninety eight was the last time you said. Well, uh, it was the ninety seven season. Obviously, the Super Bowls held right, after the New Year ninety eight. Uh, but uh, Terrell Davis with the Broncos won a Super Bowl MVP, but they still had John Elway at the right. time. So you can't really argue that. Yeah, I mean, Terrell Davis was an incredible running back, and they did a lot with him. Sure. They saw John Elway. You made the better case for the Ravens. 2,000 Ravens. So, obviously, that team's known for defense. Yeah. So, that's kind of why they won. But it was certainly not because of Trent Dilfer's play quarterback. We'll put it that way. Jamal uh, Lewis was a rookie that year. He ran for 1,300 yards. He'd later have a 2,000-yard season a couple years. So, he became – yeah, really, from the word go, he's one of the top running backs in the league. And again, the exercise was just to figure out like when the top couple running backs won something. Like we thought of Sean Alexander making a Super Bowl right. on the Hasselback Seahawks teams. They did not win that Super Bowl. I think that was one of the years Pittsburgh won. Um, but uh, again, the Adrian Petersons of the world, uh, or more recently, obviously, the Christian McCaffreys of the world. Uh, Derrick Henry's, etc. It not it's just it's not been there. Yeah. It's it's not been there. I, I mean, really, man, you, you 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 almost have to go back into the the eighties. Yeah, when it was more well, like Marcus Marcus Allen. You know, Marcus yeah. Allen wins a Super Bowl MVP. Obviously, Marcus Allen was like the centerpiece of that. Uh, the year before him, John Riggins won Super Bowl MVP. Obviously, that you know they had a lot of good pieces there. Um, uh, with the Redskins, but I mean, John Riggins was the main part of that, and so uh, I mean that's that's how far back you have to go. I mean, if, if you look at the rest of this, it's all so quarterback heavy and big time names quarterbacks. You know, Elway, Brady, uh, Manning, Manning, yeah. multiple Mannings, some Favre. Yeah, I, I was some Favre. I was and then, looking and then, at a... and, and then Joe Flacco, <laughs> random, random heater <laughs> for Flacco. I, I was looking at the uh, the NFL MVP. You know, let's let's get broad. Let's look at an entire season. How good was that player during that season? The last NFL player to win MVP that was a running back was Adrian Peterson in 2012. Well, the he had Vikings two thousand ish yard. Yeah, that, that he, year, he, yeah. He, yeah yeah he finished with over two thousand yeah. yards. Finished about ten or fifteen yards shy of the record, which is an incredible season. The Vikings went ten and six and lost in the wild card. <laughs> so incredible player. Who had this amazing record-breaking as good season? As you can do it. Yeah, they went ten and six. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's not a translated. Great, a generational running back does not mean that you will be successful, not, even if that player has an incredible season. And yeah, not the way NFL offense has moved. So let's look at college offense. Then, I think that we're clearly going to have a change of tone here. Sure. So yes. guys, tell me why the college running back is clearly more important to the college team than the NFL running back to the NFL team. I, 
for me, I think it's more of the style of play that college runs as opposed to NFL. Uh, it's a lot more run-heavy type offenses. And so when that's the case, let's take Auburn, for example. Auburn is one of those that any successful team that they have had has had a very successful running back. Uh, Maybe and, more than one. Uh, yes, exactly. Maybe more than one. So I think that's what that is. I think it, it's um, uh, it's not the only reason because, I mean, so many teams are, are still using very good running backs and using a quote-unquote pro-style system. I mean, you kind of look at what Alabama has been doing over the, last, over the years – what Georgia has been doing over the years. They run more of a pro-type offensive system, but they always have those top running backs. But you have a lot of other teams that are not necessarily running a pro-style offense. They run a lot of that read option, uh, a lot of things like that. And so you have to have good running backs. And so in the college game, the running back is extremely more valuable. Unfortunately for them – you know they can get to the pros and do some things, but shelf life is just not really there for that position. But in college, it's definitely there, and you can see teams uh, use the running back to have all of their success for the most part. And again, I use Auburn for example. That's one of those that have found their success many, many times by having a great running back. Yeah, I think it's not just that the systems that the teams run, but it's why they run those particular systems. There are way more college football teams than there are good college quarterbacks or good college wide receivers. You cannot lean on those particular position groups the way you can in the NFL. Uh, There there just aren't enough good quarterbacks to go around to fill those roster spots, so you have to find another way to win. Um, We've, you know, let's talk about Alabama. Alabama won a couple of national championships by having a good quarterback, a great defense, and incredible players around that good, that okay to good quarterback, right? The, the guy who's not going to lose the game, but he's not going to win it for you either. Game manager. Yeah, exactly. And there's nothing wrong with being a game manager. I think you can make a career out of being a game manager. A.J. McCarron has done that. Um, but in the college game, that I mean, we were talking about it during the break, Aaron Rodgers was not the Aaron Rodgers of today when he was at Cal. He was a different player. He was still good. But he was not this – nobody thought he was going to be this multi-time MVP, one of the most talented guys to ever do it. That happened later. So even these guys that are end up being really good in the pros are not that good when they're in college. So you've got to, you've got to lean on other things. You've got to find other ways to win, even if you do have a really good quarterback. Yeah. I, um, I, I agree 100%. And I, I think the roles kind of reverse in, in college – you have to have the good running backs. Now, if you get a generational quarterback, then you can run your you can start running your offenses through a generational quarterback. But when it comes to those guys in college, you you start thinking about you're talking about guys like Trevor Lawrence, you're talking about Bryce Young, you're talking about Tua. Some of these guys that are just different. They they're there's just something about them that's different. And you can run a lot of things just through that quarterback. Now, they have great running backs with them. But, you know, with a lot of these other teams, yeah, like you said, you can have a okay quarterback, a good quarterback. He's not going to be a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. He's not going to set the world on fire. But, by God, you better have somebody that can tote the rock. And, and that's the difference in college is that to be successful, you have to have that – type of running game because it's rare that that you see college teams that just 
solely go off of what a quarterback and a couple wide receivers do. Well, and you guys are, are kind of hitting on 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 it, but to to be a little more, I guess, specific or, or detailed about this aspect of it, you know, I, I think that in the college game, there's a lot of people. At, Brant was one the one who hit most on this. The college game, there's not enough skill to yeah. be able to do to perfect the passing game. Like I think that what the NFL has shown us and what great quarterbacks in college show us is that a perfected passing game can beat a perfected rushing game at this point in time. Like there's too many things you have to defend when you're playing an elite quarterback. It's to me, it, I'd go back to this a lot a lot of different subjects. It's to me why that was the only way to beat a great defense like Alabama for a long time is great quarterback play because they were just going to stop all your stuff around the line of scrimmage. They were going to stop all of your planned items. It was the quarterbacks that could create chaos, create big plays in multiple ways that beat them. And so that kind of thing happens all the time in the NFL. Like, like you can't just move the other 320-pound guys game after game after game because they're all as big as you, and it's really hard to find a lot of ways to run effectively against that kind of, of physicality and skill. But when you're talking about the skill required to execute great passing and defend great passing – that's where the there's more of a gap. That's where if you execute great passing, it, it can be harder to stop if you're a defense, even if you're doing some of the right things and you have great players. So you take that to the college level, there's not enough quarterback receiver duos. There's not enough just quarterbacks, period, that can execute the perfect passing attack time and time again. Too many mistakes can get made. And so the way you eliminate mistakes is you run the ball. Because that quarterback has – it goes into there's more ways to turn the ball over when you throw. And when you have that little bit of a skill gap, then you you, you have trouble being able to take advantage of defense because sometimes you will mess yourself up because you won't, you won't play the quarterback position well or you won't run the right route or you will do something more at a college level of a mistake. Whereas running, it does not feel like it requires as as thoughtful of a of a process of of execution, and so it's not even that. Oh, the running backs are better in college. Well, no, they're still younger and they're mm. they're not in their primes. The best version of athletes are in their t- mid to late twenties, not in their high teens, uh, oftentimes. But it is more about the skill required to execute the passing attack, and that skill usually lacks at the college level and I mean we've seen guys be able to be productive in college at running that don't even make the pros but like if you're an awesome passer in college you're going to end up playing in the pros there's right. the only offense that would even mildly not exist is like the 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 air raid stuff that you say okay those quarterbacks don't necessarily make the pros and that's fine but there'll be 1200 1300 yard running backs at like 40 different schools they they aren't all making the, the pros, I mean, yeah. hell, they, they, that's why they do triple options. They do all kinds of funny run elements in college because that's what your kids are more capable of executing more times than yeah. not. Uh, and, and yeah, that, exactly what you're saying. But, I mean, in the then when you get into the big picture of things, uh, you know, we talked about NFL MVP, Super Bowl MVPs, things like that. 
Well, you go back and now look at Heisman trophies. There's several of them for running backs. Yeah. Well, no, there there are, but here's the thing though: you have to go all the way back to 2015 before you have two running backs that are even on the top three of voting. Okay, so recent run of great quarterback play, sure. But yeah, uh, but in 2015, Derrick Henry won it, um, and Christian McCaffrey was two. All right. Yeah. So that's the last time there were two running backs in top three of voting. Uh, the only other running back since 2015 to get votes was Bryce Love from Stanford in 2017. Everybody else has been quarterbacks or wide receivers. And I think that still goes into the way that you can perfect – if you perfect the quarterback position, that right. is still at a higher level perfected running back position. But it's still – you know that's still way more recent than – NFL stuff, right. which, you know, it's not shocking as we develop that NFL will develop first and then college kind of sure. comes afterwards. But And maybe some things it can be reversed in because, you know, I, I know that the spread offense is something that has been happening for a while in college and it felt like it was a little slower to happen in the NFL. But, the, but within that, what you're doing in the spread is far different in college than what you're doing in the pros. Um, so – College guys, they again, we've established that their ability to run the ball there for a multitude of reasons can be more valuable to a team. Uh, teams' ground attacks can take them further. But again, we might be in this transition period if, if those numbers hold, where again, if perfected quarterback play is king, you know, that can play a role. Now, Obviously, we're not saying that you have to have a great quarterback to win the title. Like, you have to have the best quarterback in the country or third best quarterback in the country. I know that uh, ultimately Stetson Bennett ended up in the Heisman voting total. Uh, again, kind of shocking to us, but we still all know that George's defense is kind of what propelled that. And then Stetson certainly improved throughout his college time, but I would still not label him as top three quarterback in the country. Uh, a good, but. You you can have still other ways piecing other things together. We're not. It's not like the recruiting blue chip thing where there's like there's never been a time on the recruiting blue chip where they've been keeping up with it where you didn't have at least fifty percent, but but won the title. That's still not never happened. There's still going to be instances here where you don't have the elite quarterback or or what have you, but you piece together the other things. And it used to happen a lot. Obviously, we've had a lot of great quarterback years here recently. Uh, indicating from the, the Heisman results, but again, it's it this whole all whole conversation. Uh, any anything to add before I kind of wrap this up? By the way, guys, okay. Uh, it, this whole conversation stems from the the fact that NFL running backs just phase out so quickly. And you know, back when we were talking about the the draft status for a guy like Bijan Robinson and where he was mocked and where's where's the time to begin to start taking running backs. Uh, it, it kind of shows you why there's the argument that you don't take them early at all because they're, they are assets that expire on you so much quicker. Are you looking for long-term value in what you pick or are you looking for short-term uh, success, a short-term boom, but then also keeping in mind that even if you short-term boom your running back, that the situation has not existed for a while where the running back has been what's led you to the title. It's it's certainly fascinating, uh, this this running back conversation, and wanted to have it because, again, there's not many sports someone can be 27 years old in their prime 
and teams just say, you know what, I'm done. done. I, I, we're not going to pay you, and you know, we'll we'll figure it out. And so, uh, again, that that caught me so off guard last week because I at, at first at first I was just taken aback. Like this seemed like it didn't make much sense. But and, and look, maybe Minnesota's not that good this year. Like maybe Cousins is not one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And maybe Minnesota regrets this to some degree because they don't have a great year. But then it might be two years from now. It might be next year where, like a 2024 next year, where Cook ends up getting hurt again and, and have a 700-yard year or something. And Minnesota's like, well, okay, yeah, 2023 we might have screwed ourselves. But if we paid him $15 million a year for six years or five years, we would have screwed ourselves for other years too. So I don't know. It's it's an argument that it's, it's tough for the running backs to win right now and certainly – fascinating how it seems it's shifted so much over the last two decades about running backs being expendable by 26 27 years old we're going to take our next time out of the show we'll come back with best and worst of the weekend you're listening monday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9 Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brant Daughtry with you here on this Monday. Great conversation about the state of running backs in football and the NFL and college football. So had a lot of phone calls earlier in the show. We believe we have a Wacky Wednesday lined up. Tom is being very, very low-key about it. He will tell us only that it's soda-related. And that's essentially like all soda. he's going to give. I like soda. And there, there is kind of a taste test, but again, it's yeah. he's being very mum on the details. And I and, and up until today, I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to do it because I actually had to order something for this. I have the ordering part of it's fascinating because well, I have it's obviously not something readily available. I have I have stuff that I was able to get that is here in town readily available, but there's other parts of it that I needed that I had to order. Originally, it was saying that order uh, was not going to be in until potentially Friday. And so I was afraid I was going to have to come in here and go, hey, sorry, guys, we're going to have to push it a week. But I looked at the uh, tracking on there today, and it's already out for delivery. It said it might actually be at my house when I get there. That would be close. So, as long as it's there by the time you leave Wednesday. Yeah. Or, or maybe Tuesday. I don't know if you got prep on that to do. But Now, I'll have to uh, – I've got to kind of think about some prep and how I want to do this, but uh, it's going to be fun. 
It's going to be a lot of and fun. And the other thing, because I was trying to get just any detail out of him just to be like, make sure we're not just going to be all grossed out, is he no. doesn't know if we'll like it or not. But that, I I don't want to speculate too much, but like I just didn't want to do like yucky, ta- like purposely yucky tasting stuff. Right. But that's because I, that that is funny, <laughs> but I don't I don't like that. Yeah, uh, but uh, he's. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna torture anybody. And plus, right. I'm. I'm going to be drinking these as well. So, I. I'm not gonna torture y'all with something that I'm also going to drink. <laughs> so Fair. you know. Fair enough. Now, like I said, maybe good, may not be good. Some. Some of it because I mean, there's going to be multiple drinks that we're having. Some I can tell you, 100 will absolutely be probably extremely, extremely tasty. Mm-hmm. Some maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Okay. I, I've never had them. All right, I'm down I, though. I will be trying. I will be trying them for the very first time. You guys will be trying them for the very first time, um, and basically, we're gonna take a drink of them and see if y'all can figure out what it is. Sounds good. So that will be ahead on Wednesday. I have another wacky Wednesday involving yeah. some liquids, and uh, we'll enjoy that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was just saying. I mean, look, we have we could have solids. We could have food <laughs> taste testing. Have liquid taste testing. We could have story time. We've got a. You want to do like a chicken wing or like a hot sauce with a chicken wing thing, don't you? At some point, yeah, kind of like a hot ones deal. We got to figure out uh, the logistics behind like a wing challenge or a hot sauce challenge. The hot sauce challenge feels more doable. I don't know what you put the hot sauce on that would not be chicken related. You know, because you like fries. You could, you could, because my my thing that I get too paranoid about is maintaining like, hey, it's not, it doesn't have to be reheated. It doesn't have to be yeah. like you just picked it up, but it can't be like two hours ago. And we right. usually save Wacky Wednesday for five o'clock, so I'm overly stressed on the logistics of how to do something well, like that. Something on a something on a hot sauce challenge that would be really easy to do is if we just had a bag of tortilla chips and just just plain tortilla chips, yeah, and put. Put a dab or yeah. two of hot sauce on our tortilla chip because that's been, that's it, doable. That's doable. Well, the taste testers, like you know, if you go to these, uh, you go to these hot sauce places and where they have taste testers, they'll either have like a basket of popcorn that you can dunk oh. it in, or like little strips of tortilla, and you just okay taste a little bit of the hot sauce. And trust me, some of these are hot enough that it only takes a dab or two, and you're like, whoa, hello. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, okay. So we, we'll be able to pull that off at some point. We still had the. The deal where we were like, how can we get like every place's chicken tender from town yeah. here, <laughs> or how could we try various chicken wings from everywhere? And well, so now, like, uh, you know, uh, right after July Fourth, when I'm down in Florida, I know we're gonna make a trip over to Destin to do some shopping, and I know there's a hot sauce store there that has like all sorts of hot sauces. The whole shebang. Yeah. The whole shebang. So, I, I might, might go ahead and sign up for that one in July then, and just understand that my tongue will be in pain for a little while and that if we have to cut the show show a little short because no one can talk anymore yeah. then that might Just. be what has to happen that day we'll see uh but uh we have some wacky wednesday ideas and of course as we just said we'll be having another one this week all right let's time for or it's time for a segment that we do each and every monday now time for the best Woo-hoo! and worst no no! No! Of the weekend. I think we did positive last time first and then negative last, so let's switch that up and do negative first. Does anyone want to start off with a worst of the weekend? I uh, 
I, both of mine are from the same event, actually. Uh, it's involved in the uh, Canadian Open, I think yes. is what was held this yes, past RBC weekend. Canadian Open, yes. Um, I hate golf. That's well known. We're going to ignore that for a second. <laughs> um, the, the winning player was celebrating the fact that he won the tournament and another golfer came over with a bottle of champagne. Adam had one, yeah. Yeah, had one, came, no. came over with a bottle of champagne and started, you know, shaking it and spraying it and, you know, celebrating the guy who won. A show, a, a great show of sportsmanship, really. Yeah. Uh, was promptly tackled by security, <laughs> just driven into the ground, <laughs> trying to celebrate his opponent's victory, be happy for him. I don't know if they're friends or they whatever. They are. They're both Canadians, so okay. that's why yeah. it was a, a big deal for them. To, and the Canadian crowd was going nuts. Uh, yeah, fair, it, it, fair and justified. But what was not justified is the response that the security team had in absolutely brutalizing this man, who <laughs> was also who like participated in the tournament. <laughs> to their credit, they didn't. They thought it was some random fan that just ran out there and started trying to do that. That's why <laughs> right. they tackled. They right. didn't realize, like, hey, that's PJ Tour player Adam Hadwin. Tackle him. <laughs> yeah. They just. Yeah. They literally thought it was some crazed lunatic fan that jumped <laughs> out there and got a like, bottle of champagne. Yeah. <laughs> very funny. Very funny image. That's a great. That's a great worst, Tom. Man, I'm trying. I had been trying to think of a worse because I did not have any Auburn sports to let me down this Whoa. weekend. Whoa, off the top <laughs> rope. Whoa, <laughs> goodness. Funny because it's true. Um, <clears throat> it can be personal. It can be like, man, my sandwich didn't taste good Saturday night. And I, and it wasn't I, very good. No, but I had I cooked ribs this weekend that turned out great. I cooked some turnip greens that turned out great. You can cook. Work with. I'll tell you a worse. Was, I guess a worse was the fact that uh, yeah, the bar industry. The uh, it was kind of dead. Give me the thunderstorm. The thunderstorm as you closed last night was that kind of a worst? Nah, not oh, really. Okay, it just seemed I th- like you just had it, to scramble home. And- I mean, I have. It was nah. It was, I, I mean, Friday was kind of a worst just because it was so super dead inside there, and and obviously as a bartender, I'm there to make money. And when there's not people in there spending money, I'm not making money. So, yeah, yeah that's, that can be worse. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll go that route. All right. So my my worst comes from uh, this is a, a silly worst. No one's going to care, and that's great. Um, <laughs> my worst came from Poker Run on Saturday. That we got back at like two fifteen or two twenty uh, to the last stop. And the last uh, the event kind of ends around two thirty. We start announcing winners at two forty five. So I did not have time to consume more than one bushwhacker. Oh. And there's not a oh. lot of places in town you can get bushwhackers. Like you get them at Shrimp Basket, you can get them at Moe's Barbecue. You might be like one other spot, but there's not many. And certainly, you know, with bigger stores like that, they they have the certain way of doing them quickly and that sort of thing. So they're good, but they're not like the, the a plus bushwhackers. They are very good at, at uh, Bay pines at Lake Martin. And I just Can't lament, confirm. I lament, <laughs> I lament the fact that I only had time for one. I wanted to have <laughs> two or three and you know, you just run out of time. Sometimes it was a great event and uh, we had a good time, mm. but Again, I, I if I I would have I would have done more if I could, and I, I only had time for one. All right, best of the weekend for everybody. My best of the weekend also coming from the Canadian Open. The winning golfer whose name is 
Uh, Nick Taylor? Sure. Nick Taylor. So Nick, Nick, Taylor, Nick Taylor, who won the Canadian Open, won it by sinking a 72-foot putt. Yeah. It's a That's hell of a putt. bonkers. It was like to, fourth to playoff I, th- hole, I think. Third or fourth I playoff think, I, Yeah, it, it did go to a playoff, didn't it? Um, I think 72 feet is appropriate to pull out a different club than your putter. <laughs> but this guy just putted 72 feet. I know, like, on the green, you're spot whatever. I know, I know, but, yeah. But, like, that's such a long way. It's 24 yards. You could hit a clearly hit chip shots that yeah. long. Yeah. But. He broke some drought of a Canadian golfer. I don't know if it's a Canadian golfer winning that RBC or if it's just a Canadian golfer winning a PGA. Yeah. But um, – it was a Canadian in clearly the, had one hasn't been winning because no one knows yeah. who he is. But I mean, it's a Canadian. <laughs> it was a Canadian winning a Canadian tournament in front of the Canadian fans. Yeah. That's why they were going so crazy, and he won it in epic fashion. So, yeah, absolutely, this is awesome. Uh, my favorite of the week is just the the Oral Roberts Oregon series. Uh, that series was nuts, um, and. Man, you talk about high-pressure baseball and great baseball. In game one, Oregon rallies all the way back, and they beat Oral Roberts 9-8 to in walk-off fashion. The very next day, Oregon's leading Oral Roberts comes back. They win 8-7 to in a walk-off. And then in game three, Oral Roberts beats Oregon 11-6. to So Oral Roberts is going to the College World Series after an epic, epic series out in Eugene, Oregon. And they're the four seed. The four they're seed. The four seed in their uh, original regional. Yep. Uh, of course, almost had a four seed win the Auburn regional and, and Penn. So it was uh, again you had some you had some upsets for sure, and in baseball you usually do. But but four seed making the College World Series is a lot of fun. Still, two teams waiting to try and punch their ticket. Southern Miss and Tennessee was supposed to start about a half hour ago. That's a weather delay, yep. and then I think later tonight it's uh, Texas and Stanford out in Palo Alto. Yeah. So uh, that, going going games. into that first game out there in Eugene, that uh, Oral Roberts lost nine to eight in walk off fashion. They were on a twenty one game win streak, and I, I that is so nuts. the details of that too. They blew a huge lead. They yeah. had like a six or seven run lead. Maybe they, better. Oh yeah, in that yeah, first game. Yeah. Oh, so no. I can't yeah. believe they won that series because that they were so far ahead in the first game, blew it late, yep. really throughout the game, but then late, and then had the, the gall to come back and, and beat a, Oregon twice. And rat, well, and, but it had to rally back in game two to walk right. off that one. I mean, so they, they really had a, uh, a a tough-minded series, and, and good for Oral Roberts. Uh, my best of the weekend will be opportunity we were given um, to go on Sunday to uh, Braves Affiliate Day. Uh, each year, they they allow representative from the station to to go and and get to bring one guest. And uh, Brooks and I were able to to go out to to Truist Park for affiliate day. Um, really cool opportunity. First time we've ever gotten to do that. And uh, appreciate our our general manager Brooke for for allowing us to do that. And I I had a great time. Got to see the press box up at Truist Park and and all the. Um, the, the Braves Hall of Fame stuff that they've got and uh, got free food and beverage, which is always nice, and also a Q&A with uh, the voice of the Braves, Ben Ingram, and Joe Simpson, who Joe Simpson came by and, and said hello to me and Brooks and uh, talked a little bit, and he had a had a son go to Auburn, uh, believe that or not. So he gave us a war eagle and a uh, really nice guy, and obviously he's hilarious. If you ever listen to him on the radio, he was just as hilarious in person. 
too. So really had a great time uh, at Braves Affiliate Day. Um, again, they've uh, we've been proud affiliates for the Braves for a long time over on twelve thirty WAUD, and they've they put on that day for a while uh, for all their affiliates and enjoyed enjoyed everything about it except the six to two results. So if you want to blame the seven game win streak going away on me and Brooks, that is perfectly fine. Uh, just let let us win. Uh, let's get another win for the Braves pretty soon, so that that doesn't turn into a streak or anything. But that's my best of the weekend. We're going to take one final timeout back to wrap up the Monday edition of Sports Call. Right after this, this is the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger ninety five point nine. is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you're currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Final couple minutes of sports call today. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Dontry. Hello, Tom. I have to add another best. Okay. That I just thought about. Go for it. Because we're watching the Braves versus Tigers up here. The game the game over the weekend that uh, uh, Francoeur, Smoltz, Glavin, yes. yeah. and Chipper Jones. Were, Thursday. Was yeah. that Thursday? It counts. It counts. So they're in the bro- oh, my gosh. That was great. And, of course, you get a walk-off home run. And just those guys' reactions in the booth, and just, that that was incredible, absolutely we, incredible TV to see. We that. spent a large sum of time on Friday talking, talking about, about that, that okay. particular game, just because that's one of the few regular season games out of 162 that's like really worth like breaking down and right. talk, having a good conversation about not only from the game, which was epic, but also because of those guys. Being that up was, there, that was so fun. It was, and you know, I poor Larry, a crown. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Braves ran with it and did the whole. Yeah. Uh, if your name's Larry, your name's you get Larry. a free yeah. Jack yeah. and Coke soda or whatever it was. That was awesome. Yeah, was, uh, that awesome. was so so good. Uh, and uh, I think it was either David O'Brien or Mark Bowman, Crown and Coke, I guess, said that um, they are planning on doing that one more time this year. Okay, They're going to try and do good. it again in August or somewhere around there. So that uh, that, that was I, epic. I don't know how it's going to beat that because I don't see see the game beating that when you beat the Mets like that and <laughs> and had all those home runs. Ryan, I'm I'm just thinking of something that you showed me the day after uh, oh, uh, about the. There was a lot of Sir, great Twitter content. Yeah, too. Sir Larry has opened another crowd. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, there's so much great content from that. All right, last couple minutes of the show. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Start with 
some basketball as you got a couple sporting events tonight. Actually, we'll start with Athletes Unlimited Softball, 7.30 on ESPNU. Also, NBA, though, Miami Heat, Denver Nuggets, 7.30 on ABC. The Nuggets can close out tonight. Brant, will they? Uh, I think so. Tom, will they? Yes. All right, consensus there. Uh, TP also shaking his head. Yes, they will uh, finish it. Our intern, TP Hammock. So I I concur. I think Denver ends it tonight. I would still be surprised. Here's my little nod to the DNA in Miami. I'd be surprised if it was a blowout. I think they'll I think they'll be on the verge. I think they'll get down 10, 15 points at times and keep fighting and keep fighting, and making Denver play all 48 minutes. But I do think the Denver Nuggets will win their first ever NBA title. Tonight against 7:30 ABC Game Five against the Miami Heat. A few movie picks for you. Seven o'clock on AMC. It is Back to the Future, the original one. That whole, whole what was it? So trilogy was they did three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I enjoyed all of them. I don't think people like the one that went out west. I still like them all. Oh, I like them all. Yeah, yeah. I, I like them all. Uh, Seven o'clock on TNT. Thor Ragnarok. Uh, negative from. TP, where in the Thor? I, I love Ragnarok. Love I Ragnarok. love that movie. Ragnarok, okay. And then seven. I can't say that I've watched any of the, any of the Thor's. I, I, Are you just not a Marvel guy? or nah. Never been. Yeah, I, I did it to be culturally aware. <laughs> uh, I have not watched all of them, but I made sure I watched the movies that everyone said I needed to to be able to. Uh, enjoy the Avengers movie. So that's that's where I got to in that. And then 7 o'clock on Paramount Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I, I assume that's because there's another Indiana Jones coming out in, I don't know, a couple weeks. I don't think it's this I, I don't. I don't know when it, it is. I, I can't tell if I'm excited for it or if I'm dreading it because Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was not good. It's going to be nostalgic. Then, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not. A, I haven't watched uh, every Indiana Jones movie either. That's where I fall. I, I, I love the original three Indiana Jones movies. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was really bad, um, and, and now we're we're on to the fifth one. And uh, what's what's the actor's name? God, Harrison like, Ford. Harrison Ford is like 85 years old, and I just don't know if he can do it anymore. Well, they're gonna general. Ge- uh, excuse me. Ge- not genetically. That's not right. Digitally de-age him so that he will. He will Makes sense in some parts, or it'll look younger in some parts. But that is Hopefully. Sports Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. That will do it for the show today. Brant, uh, thank you for being here today. We'll see you again later this week. Thank you for having me. And Tom, thank you for being here. We'll see you again tomorrow. Sounds great. Good update here. My package has been delivered. Awesome. Nice. So Wacky Wednesday so, right. definitely in play. Yes, sir. That will do it for the show today. Again, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brant Daughtry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.